Chapter Twenty One, Part Two of Elsie Venner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Elsie Venner by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Chapter Twenty One the widow rowans gives a tea-party the next thing was to be sure that everybody should be in the right place at the tea-table and this the widow thought she could manage by a few words to the older guests and a little shuffling about and shifting when they got to the table to settle everything the widow made out a diagram which the reader should have a chance of inspecting in an authentic copy if these pages were allowed under any circumstances to be the vehicle of illustrations if however he or she really wishes to see the way the pieces stood as they were placed at the beginning of the game the widow's gambit he or she had better at once take a sheet of paper draw an oval and arrange the characters according to the following schedule at the head of the table the hostess widow marilla rowans opposite her at the other end reverend dr honeywood at the right of the hostess dudley venner next him helen darley next her dr kittredge next him mrs blanche creamer then the reverend doctor at the left of the hostess bernard langdon next him letty forrester next letty mr richard venner next him elsie and so to the reverend doctor again the company came together a little before the early hour at which it was customary to take tea in rockland the widow knew everybody of course who was there in rockland she did not know but some of them had to be introduced mr richard venner to mr bernard mr bernard to miss letty dudley venner to miss helen darley and so on the two young men looked each other straight in the eyes both full of youthful life but one of frank and fearless aspect the other with a dangerous feline beauty alien to the new england half of his blood the guests talked turned over the prints looked at the flowers opened the proverbial philosophy with gilt edges and the volume of plays by william shakespeare examined the horse pictures on the walls and so passed away the time until tea was announced when they paired off for the room where it was in readiness the widow had managed it well everything was just as she wanted it dudley venner was between herself and the poor tired-looking schoolmistress with her faded colors blanche creamer a lax tumble to pieces grusish looking blonde whom the widow hated because the men took to her was purgatoried between the two old doctors and could see all the looks that passed between dick venner and his cousin the young schoolmaster could talk to miss letty it was his business to know how to talk to schoolgirls dick would amuse himself with his cousin elsie the old doctors only wanted to be well fed and they would do well enough it would be very pleasant to describe the tea-table but in reality it did not pretend to offer a plethoric banquet to the guests the widow had not visited the mansion-houses for nothing and she had learned there that an overloaded tea-table may do well enough for farm-hands 
when they come in at evening from their work and sit down unwashed in their shirt-sleeves but that for decently bred people such an insult to the memory of a dinner not yet half assimilated is wholly inadmissible everything was delicate and almost everything of fair complexion white bread and biscuits frosted and sponge-cake cream honey straw-coloured butter only a shadow here and there where the fire had crisped and browned the surfaces of a stack of dry toast or where a preserve had brought away some of the red sunshine of the last year's summer the widow shall have the credit of her well-ordered tea-table also of her bountiful cream-pitchers for it is well known that city people find cream a very scarce luxury in a good many country-houses of more pretensions than hyacinth cottage there are no better mames for ladies who give tea-parties than these cream is thicker than water large heart never loved little cream-pot there is common feeling in genteel families that the third meal of the day is not so essential a part of the daily bread as to require any especial acknowledgment to the providence which bestows it very devout people who would never sit down to a breakfast or a dinner without the grace before meat which honours the giver of it feel as if they thanked heaven enough for their tea and toast by partaking of them cheerfully without audible petition or ascription but the widow was not exactly mansion-house bred and so thought it necessary to give the reverend doctor a peculiar look which he understood at once as inviting his professional services he therefore uttered a few simple words of gratitude very quietly much to the satisfaction of some of the guests who had expected one of those elaborate effusions with rolling up of the eyes and rhetorical accents so frequent with eloquent divines when they address their maker in genteel company everybody began talking with the person sitting next at hand mr bernard naturally enough turned his attention first to the widow but somehow or other the right side of the widow seemed to be more wide awake than the left side next him and he resigned her to the courtesies of mr dudley venner directing himself not very unwillingly to the young girl next him on the other side miss letty forrester the granddaughter of the reverend doctor was city-bred as anybody might see and city-dressed as any woman would know at sight a man might only feel the general effect of clear well-matched colours of harmonious proportions of the cut which makes everything cling like a bather's sleeve where a natural outline is to be kept and ruffle itself up like the hackle of a pitted fighting-cock where art has a right to luxuriate in silken exuberance how this city-bred and city-dressed girl came to be in rockland mr bernard did not know but he knew at any rate that she was his next neighbour and entitled to his courtesies she was handsome too when he came to look very handsome when he came to look again endowed with that city beauty which is like the beauty of wall-fruit something finer in certain respects than can be reared off the pavement the miserable routinists who keep repeating invidiously cowpers god made the country and man made the town as if the town were a place to kill out the race in 
do not know what they were talking about. Where could they raise such St. Michael pears, such St. Germains, such brown burras, as we had until within a few years growing within the walls of our old city gardens? Is the dark and damp cavern where a ragged beggar hides himself better than a town mansion which fronts the sunshine and backs on its own cool shadow, with gas and water and all the appliances to suit all needs? God made the cavern, and man made the house. What then? There is no doubt that the pavement keeps a deal of mischief from coming up out of the earth, and with a dash off of it in summer, just to cool the soles of the feet when it gets too hot, is the best place for many constitutions, as some few practical people have already discovered. And just so these beauties that grow and ripen against the city walls, these young fellows with cheeks like peaches and young girls with cheeks like nectarines, show that the most perfect forms of artificial life can do as much for the human product as garden culture for strawberries and blackberries. If Mr. Bernard had philosophized or prosed in this way, with so pretty, nay, so lovely a neighbor as Miss Liddy Forrester, waiting for him to speak to her, he would have to be dropped from this narrative as a person unworthy of his good fortune, and not deserving the kind reader's further notice. On the contrary, he no sooner set his eyes fairly on her than he said to himself that she was charming, and that he wished she were one of his scholars at the Institute so he began talking with her in an easy way for he knew something of young girls by this time and of course could adapt himself to a young lady who looked as if she might be not more than fifteen or sixteen years old and therefore could hardly be a match in intellectual resources for the seventeen and eighteen-year-old first-class scholars of the apollinean institute but city wall-fruit ripens early, and he soon found that this girl's training had so sharpened her wits and stored her memory that he need not be at the trouble to stoop painfully in order to come down to her level. The beauty of good breeding is that it adjusts itself to all relations without effort, true to itself, always, however, the manners of those around it may change self-respect and respect for others the sensitive consciousness poises itself in these as the compass in the ship's binnacle balances itself and maintains its true level within the two concentric rings which spend it on their pivots this thoroughbred schoolgirl quite enchanted mr bernard he could not understand where she got her style her way of dress her enunciation her easy manners the minister was a most worthy gentleman, but this was not the Rockland native-born manner. Some new element had come in between the good, plain, worthy man and this young girl, fit to be a crown prince's partner, where there were a thousand to choose from. He looked across to Helen Darley, for he knew she would understand the glance of admiration with which he called her attention to the young beauty at his side and Helen knew what a young girl could be, as compared with what too many a one is, as well as anybody. This poor dear Helen of ours, 
how admirable the contrast between her and the widow on the other side of dudley venner but what was very odd that gentleman apparently thought the contrast was to the advantage of this poor dear helen at any rate instead of devoting himself solely to the widow he happened to be just at that moment talking in a very interested and apparently not uninteresting way to his right-hand neighbor who on her part never looked more charmingly as mr bernard could not help saying to himself but to be sure he had just been looking at the young girl next him so that his eyes were brimful of beauty and may have spilled some of it on the first corner for you know monsieur becquerel has been showing us lately how everything is phosphorescent that it soaks itself with light in an instant's exposure so that it is wet with liquid sunbeams or if you will tremulous with luminous vibrations when first plunged into the negative bath of darkness and betrays itself by the light which escapes from its surface whatever were the reason this poor dear helen never looked so sweetly her plainly parted brown hair her meek blue eyes her cheek just a little tinged with color the almost sad simplicity of her dress and that look he knew so well so full of cheerful patience so sincere that he had trusted her from the first moment as the believers of the larger half of christendom trust the blessed virgin mr bernard took this all in at a glance and felt as pleased as if it had been his own sister dorothea elizabeth that he was looking at as for dudley venner mr bernard could not help being struck by the animated expression of his countenance it certainly showed great kindness on his part to pay so much attention to this quiet girl when he had the thunder and lightning widow on the other side of him mrs marilla rowens did not know what to make of it she had made her tea-party expressly for mr dudley venner she had placed him just as she wanted between herself and a meek delicate woman who dressed in gray wore a plain breastpin with hair in it who taught a pack of girls up there at the school and looked as if she were born for a teacher the very best foil that she could have chosen and here was this man polite enough to herself to be sure but turning round to that very undistinguished young person as if he rather preferred her conversation of the two the truth was that dudley venner and helen darley met as two travellers might meet in the desert wearied both of them with their long journey one having food but no water the other water but no food each saw that the other had been in long conflict with some trial for their voices were low and tender as patiently borne sorrow and humbly uttered prayers make every human voice through these tones more than by what they said they came into natural sympathetic relations with each other nothing could be more unstudied as for dudley venner no beauty in all the world could have so soothed and magnetized him as the very repose and subdued gentleness with which the widow had thought would make the best possible background for her own more salient and effective attractions no doubt helen on her side 
was almost too readily pleased with the confidence this new acquaintance she was making seemed to show her from the very first she knew so few men of any condition mr silas peckham he was her employer and she ought to think of him as well as she could but every time she thought of him it was with a shiver of disgust mr bernard langdon a noble young man a true friend like a brother to her god bless him and send him some young heart as fresh as his own but this gentleman produced a new impression upon her quite different from any to which she was accustomed his rich low tones had the strangest significance to her she felt sure he must have lived through long experiences sorrowful like her own elsie's father she looked into his dark eyes as she listened to him to see if they had any glimmer of that peculiar light diamond bright but cold and still which she knew so well in elsie's anything but that never was there more tenderness it seemed to her than in the whole look and expression of elsie's father she must have been a great trial to him yet his face was that of one who had been saddened not soured by his discipline knowing what elsie must be to him how hard she must make any parent's life helen could not but be struck with the interest mr dudley venner showed in her as his daughter's instructress he was too kind to her again and again she meekly turned from him so as to leave him free to talk to the showy lady at his other side who was looking all the while like the night of cloudless realms and starry skies but still mr dudley venner after a few courteous words came back to the blue eyes and brown hair still he kept his look fixed upon her and his tones grew sweeter and lower as he became more interested in talk until this poor dear helen what with surprise and the bashfulness natural to one who had seen little of the gay world and the stirring of deep confused sympathies with this suffering father whose heart seemed so full of kindness felt her cheeks glowing with unwonted flame and betrayed the pleasing trouble of her situation by looking so sweetly as to arrest mr bernard's eye for a moment when he looked away from the young beauty sitting next him elsie meantime had been silent with that singular still watchful look which those who knew her well had learned to fear her head just a little inclined on one side perfectly motionless for whole minutes her eyes seeming to grow small and bright as always when she was under her evil influence she was looking obliquely at the young girl on the other side of her cousin dick and next to bernard langdon as for dick himself she seemed to be paying very little attention to him sometimes her eyes would wander off to mr bernard and their expression as old dr kittredge who watched her for a while pretty keenly noticed would change perceptibly one would have said that she looked with a kind of dull hatred at the girl but with a half relenting reproachful anger at mr bernard miss letty forrester at whom elsie had been looking from time to time in this fixed way was conscious meanwhile of some unusual influence first it was a feeling of constraint then as it were a diminished power over the muscles 
as if an invisible elastic cobweb were spinning round her then a tendency to turn away from mr bernard who was making himself very agreeable and look straight into those eyes which would not leave her and which seemed to be drawing her towards them while at the same time they chilled the blood in all her veins mr bernard saw this influence coming over her all at once he noticed that she sighed and that some little points of moisture began to glisten on her forehead but she did not grow pale perceptibly she had no involuntary or hysteric movements she still listened to him and smiled naturally enough perhaps she was only nervous at being stared at at any rate she was coming under some unpleasant influence or other and mr bernard had seen enough of the strange impression elsie sometimes produced to wish this young girl to be relieved from it whatever it was he turned toward elsie and looked at her in such a way as to draw her eyes upon him then he looked steadily and calmly into them it was a great effort for some perfectly inexplicable reason at one instant he thought he could not sit where he was he must go and speak to elsie then he wanted to take his eyes away from hers there was something intolerable in the light that came from them but he was determined to look her down and he believed he could do it for he had seen her countenance change more than once when he had caught her gaze steadily fixed on him all this took not minutes but seconds presently she changed color slightly lifted her head which was inclined a little to one side shut and opened her eyes two or three times as if they had been pained or wearied and turned away baffled and shamed as it would seem and shorn for the time of her singular and formidable or at least evil-natured power of swaying the impulses of those around her it takes too long to describe these scenes where a good deal of life is concentrated into a few silent seconds mr richard venner had sat quietly through it all although this short pantomime had taken place literally before his face he saw what was going on well enough and understood it all perfectly well of course the schoolmaster had been trying to make elsie jealous and had succeeded the little schoolgirl was a decoy duck that was all estates like the dudley property were not to be had every day and no doubt the yankee usher was willing to take some pains to make sure of elsie doesn't elsie look savage dick involuntarily moved his chair a little away from her and thought he felt a pricking in the small white scars on his wrist a daredevil fellow but somehow or other this girl had taken strange hold of his imagination and he often swore to himself that when he married her he would carry a loaded revolver with him to his bridal chamber mrs blanche creamer raged inwardly at first to find herself between the two old gentlemen of the party it very soon gave her great comfort however to see that marilla rowens had just missed it in her calculations and she chuckled immensely to find dudley venner devoting himself chiefly to helen darley if the rowens woman should hook dudley she felt as if she should gnaw all her nails off for spite 
to think of seeing her brouching about rockland behind a pair of long-tailed bays and a coachman with a band on his hat while she blanche creamer was driving herself about in a one-horsed carriage recovering her spirits by degrees she began playing her surfaces off at the two old doctors just by way of practice first she heaved up a glaring white shoulder the right one so that the reverend doctor should be stunned by it if such a thing might be the reverend doctor was human as the apostle was not ashamed to confess himself half devoutly and half mischievously he repeated inwardly resist the devil and he will flee from you as the reverend doctor did not show any lively susceptibility she thought she would try the left shoulder on old dr kittredge that worthy and experienced student of science was not at all displeased with the manoeuvre and lifted his head so as to command the exhibition through his glasses blanche is good for half a dozen years or so if she is careful the doctor said to himself and then she must take to her prayer-book after this spasmodic failure of mrs blanche creamer's to stir up the old doctors she returned again to the pleasing task of watching the widow in her evident discomfiture but dark as the widow looked in her half-concealed pet she was but as a pale shadow compared to elsie in her silent concentration of shame and anger well there is one good thing said mrs blanche creamer dick doesn't get much out of that cousin of his this evening doesn't he look handsome though so mrs blanche being now a good deal taken up with her observations of those friends of hers and ours began to be rather careless of her two old doctors who naturally enough fell into conversation with each other across the white surfaces of that lady perhaps not very politely but under the circumstances almost as a matter of necessity when a minister and a doctor get talking together they always have a good deal to say and so it happened that the company left the table just as the two doctors were beginning to get at each other's ideas about various interesting matters if we follow them into the other parlor we can perhaps pick up something of their conversation End of chapter twenty one part two